0: We're recording on Gadigal land, and we acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and pay our respects to their culture and elders.
1: I'm Karina May. I'm Claire Fletcher. And we love rom-coms. They're our favourite kind of love stories. We love reading and watching rom-coms so much that we started writing our own. We're always chasing that rom-com feeling.
0: You know the one. A
1: warm and fuzzy one and we might not be experts but by god we're enthusiastic so today I'm extra excited Claire extra excited yeah I'm normally pumped but right now when listeners are, <laughs> have this in their ears, I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> I was
0: going to say, we need almost like a scale, the K-May scale of excitement. And you, you're off the charts right now.
1: I'm off the charts. I'm in the air. Uh, actually, I might be heading back. Anyway, I'm off to New York shortly and London. Um, I'm going to go and visit all of the meet cute sites and we'll get on to our not so tropey trope today. <laughs> um But I'm so excited uh, that I popped on some red lippy for the occasion. And you did too, Claire.
0: Yeah, well, I've got to keep up with you. But tell us, what what shade are you wearing, k May?
1: I think when we looked, it was inappropriate red, which... Is on brand for me and probably on brand with some things that I sometimes say on this podcast (laughs) by accident. And what's your preferred shade of
0: I don't even know how to pronounce this. I'm going to say NARS Heatwave because I don't know how to pronounce. No, it's French. You need my um, (laughs) d'acroche. So I'm wearing a lipstick that my sister gave me and she had a little tag on it saying book launch red. It's MAC. So short.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. I hope I'm saying that right. I think it matches your cover, right? The green and red cover. Mm. So we've done four episodes of Tropes now, and today we thought we'd shake things up and chat about meat cutes
0: One of the essential elements of a rom-com.
1: Mm. And I think we've been using the term casually throughout our potties, and it's such a fun one that we thought we'd dedicate an entire episode to it. Yeah. Firstly, starting with real-life meat cutes
0: Ooh. Our favourite
1: real-life meet-cute stories. I You're feel like... so excited. I can just see it on your face. <laughs> okay, no. I feel like it's, you know, the, that's Life magazine, like real-life stories. It happened to me. Yeah, it happened to me. <laughs> uh, it hasn't happened to me. It hasn't? Yet. Yet. There's still there's still hope. Body oath, you can meet cute at any age. <laughs> you can meet cute and you can re-meet cute. We talked about that in our Second Chance Romance episode. Well,
0: and I think once you embrace the concept of a meet-cute, it doesn't have to be romantic. You Mm. know, friend
1: meat cutes. Mm. And Um, we will talk about that, I think. The non-romantic meat cutes, sometimes the best meat cute in a rom com. But also I have had meat cutes in the past, but we were talking about off-air whether or not a meat cute maintains its meat cuteness once the couple (laughs) is in a happily ever after story. (laughs) (laughs) The cuteness can wear off. (laughs) For the purpose of this segment, my real life example will be borrowed from a friend Mm -hmm. (laughs) but there's the cutest story that I know a friend of mine on a rainy day let's call it a rainy fall day I'm getting in see my pumpkin spice New York mood (laughs) and she jumped in a taxi at the very same time a gentleman hopped in the other side to shelter from the rain and the taxi driver was driving Quite poorly on the slippery streets, that they asked him politely to slow down, uh, to which he accelerated. And the gentleman tapped the cab driver on the shoulder and said, We'll be getting out. And so my friend and this guy got out, and it was raining. They had to go and shelter somewhere. So they went and sheltered in a bar and got to know each other. And they're now married. Yes. So I don't know if this friend listens to the podcast. I will send her this episode now, mm-hmm. but I kept them anonymous. That's a real story. One I aspire to. I might write one day in a very variation of. Um, but I love it. <laughs> Do you have one, Claire? You have yours with your husband, which we spoke about. Yeah, we already covered that. I wasn't really prepared. I probably could have done it more justice, but that ship has sailed. I think our strategy, we just constantly throw each other under the bus.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, there was one that I was thinking about sharing, which, I don't know, it feels weird when it's not your own, but... Yeah, do we need permission? I don't think so. So the couple that I'm thinking of is actually going to be celebrating their 10th wedding anniversary later this year, and they've asked me to say something at the renewal of their vows.
1: Oh, that's nice, because have you been a witness to their relationship? I've been a
0: witness since the beginning. So I was there for this meet-cute and I knew knew Tony um, going into it. We were at a, a launch of a photography book and I went with my colleague and friend Alison and I think we were on the rooftop of the Cooper's Arms in Newtown and Alison, you know, gorgeous, blonde, stunning you know, beautiful girl in her early mid-twenties. Um, and Tony is a little bit older, also gorgeous, and I think he was working as, like, an art director at the time for one of the big newspapers. And so I knew him from around the traps through journo mates, and
1: he spilled a beer on Alison's Aww. shoes. Yeah. We have a drink-meet-cute discussion coming mm. up. It sounds very Notting Hill to me. Anyway, I didn't think that
0: she was very impressed and kind of forgot about it got in conversation
1: with other people
0: and then the next day he called up and sort of said can I take you out for a coffee and I was like oh Alison you know if you need me to run interference and just like get rid of this bloke you know I can do that and she's like no I think I'll go and he took her out and they had a coffee and they've been together ever since oh I love it did he also pick up the dry cleaning bill I'm sure he would have. He's kind of that that sort of guy. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought it was all over,
1: but it was just the beginning. Just the beginning. I love it. So we probably have started things a little bit topsy-turvy. Should we take the listeners on the journey of what we believe a meet-cute to be and maybe even the history okay, <laughs> of the meet-cute just to intellectualise things? There's no rom-com dictionary. Maybe... So we need need a rom com dictionary to go with our rom com school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a whole institution we're building. (laughs) And so, when did meet cute become a thing?
0: Look, can I just say, if you want the if you want the real information on this, you should probably be listening to the Love on Campus podcast. (laughs) I'm sure they'll give you the academic description. We have Googled this about half an hour ago, and we're going to give you a very brief history according to
1: Wikipedia. So Wikipedia says (laughs) a cute, amusing or charming first encounter that leads to the development of a romantic relationship.
0: When we were talking about where it came from, my guess was that I had a feeling it went back to like screwball movies in like the 30s, which wasn't that far off. So it's a term that seems to be used in screenwriting since the early 1940s. Some people even trace it back to a film from 1938 called Bluebeard's Eighth Wife. And there's a scene in that where Claudette Colbert meets Gary Cooper. And apparently it's very cute. There's something about a sweater. Pyjamas? Oh, (laughs) pyjamas. Yeah. Anyway, I haven't seen... Apparel. Apparel. (laughs) So, yeah, that seems to be the origin story of the meet cute. Mm. But um, you were reading something recently that I think prompted you to want to focus on this.
1: Yeah. And it's actually... uh anti-meet-cute story or missed-meet-cute story and we've spoken about it on the pod I think a couple of episodes ago and it was bound to happen or is bound to happen a rom-com by debut author Jonathan Shannon uh, in which the the two uh, protagonists don't ever meet so they keep having missed-meet-cutes which Honestly, I think there's 30 or so of them. I actually asked him at his launch recently and he hadn't counted them. So I counted them for him. (laughs) There's uh, about one in each chapter. So about one missed encounter per chapter. And there's around 30 chapters. So what it actually is, then you get all these meet cute ideas because it's the missed meet cute and it's a lot of fun. That does sound so
0: fun! Oh yeah. god, I really
1: need to bump this up. My my pile's getting out of control. I feel annoying because I keep going on about this book, but it's seriously. I think it's because even though there was no meet cute, it was jam packed with potentials of meet cute. So mm-hmm. I could use my imagination. Like I got that the cute encounter part, or near encounter where it almost happened. And so normally you get one meet cute per book. Mm-hmm maybe a re-meet-cute, maybe, maybe, maybe if it's second chance romance. And we've also done like a flashback and we've gotten the initial meet-cute. So we get 30 miss-meet-cutes. So it's a book really full of meet-cutes, really, even though there's no meet-cute, <laughs> <If> that makes <laughs> sense. Anyway, that's why I wanted to, yeah, have a whole episode dedicated to it because when we were coming up with our list of texts, as we call them. Before you move off that, because you just met
0: Jonathan, right? Mm. And um. To get a little bit meta, I haven't met Jonathan, but I understand that his partner is also a writer of rom-coms. Yes. Elodie Cheeseman? Yes. What's their make cute? We need to... I mean, it's not so often that you see men writing romantic comedies, mm. let alone couples where mm. both people are writing romantic comedies. I they think we might to do, need to do some investigation on this.
1: Maybe get them on the pod, actually. Mm. There may be a saving it for a dual point of view rom com that they're going to release. I would instant buy. Instant buy. Yeah. What a concept. What a concept. Claire, do you have a favourite Meet Cute in a book? It's such a big question.
0: I almost. I I was at the bookshelf last night, like pulling down books, trying to find a favourite. And I have to say, it's more movies that Mm. the scenes are stuck in my head than Mm. books. Um, I was struck when I went back to a lot of my favourite books that there's not always a me cute. Often you have characters who already know each other at the start of the story so something like No Hard Feelings, Genevieve Novak, She uh, Penny's already living with Leo, her housemate. Even in a lot of Emily Henry books I feel like there's often history when you start the story and I also looked at Um, Ghosts, Dolly Alderton, which, uh, similar to Genevieve's, I guess, is really rooted in reality. So you're not going to get that high concept kind of meet cute. Mm. And in that one, you know, Nina just meets Max at a pub after they've been chatting on a dating app, so... It's a bit too normal,
1: is not it? Too normal. I, I had a theory that I was saying to you that I feel like there's a lot of meet cutes in YA and maybe it's because their worlds are a bit smaller, like they're still building their world, whereas in adult rom-coms, yeah, the friend, the roommate, someone in their world because their worlds are a lot larger, they're going to work, they're on buses, they're doing things that that young adult market isn't. I suppose at the young adult stage
0: too, your life is kind of teetering on a point of change. So often those books are about figuring out your identity when something, you know, tips your world off balance. Mm. And so meeting someone new can absolutely do that and I guess that's harder to do as an adult when your life is more rooted in your career and um, family and friends. Yeah that's an interesting way to think about it.
1: And great meet-cutes as well not just a cute encounter but two worlds colliding I think <laughs> is a, a sweet way of, of also looking at it. Uh, one that
0: I really like we talked about Casey McQuiston uh, in one of the last episodes that we did obviously the author of Red White and Royal Blue Um, Their second novel, One Last Stop, is a real fave of mine. It's a lovely sapphic romance. And that one, The Meet Cute, I think is a classic one. So we've got August, who is kind of new in town, living in New York, and she's on her way to, I think, class. I think she's moved there for college. And she's spilled coffee on her shirt and she's like trying to not, cry. You know, she's trying to hold it together for what is supposed to be like the start of her new life. And she gets on the subway and becomes conscious of this kind of person standing over her and just assumes it's a creepy guy and then looks up and is like, oh, it's a very hot girl. Uh, and it's Jane who becomes the love interest in that story. And Jane gives August a red scarf
1: to cover up her shirt. And that's how they meet. Ooh, that was before. Oh, no, because red. Yeah, red scarf was already a thing with Taylor Swift. I just wonder if that was a little... Taylor Swift reference as well. Oh, an Easter Mm. egg. Mm. Yeah. Well, I I would say there's
0: shades of Notting Hill, Meeting Cute, right, with the spill on the shirt.
1: I was going to say, and your real life example was also the spill. So Mm. maybe we should have picked a Meet Cute for each category. Like maybe not as niche as Spilling Drink, but like the clumsy Meet Cute. (laughs) (laughs) So in Notting Hill, that is, you know, we'll get on to movies, but just quickly is when will thacker the bookshop owner spills his orange juice on anna scott the film star on the sidewalk and then offers for her to go back to his place to get changed into a clean shirt Uh, so that one is a classic
0: well if we're talking about spills i also opened up playing the field by zoe foster Blake actually I meant to that's what I meant to check sorry before we were on was whether those books are published as Zoe Blake or Zoe Foster Blake was she married to Hamish when she published them and
1: I can picture the covers so mm. they're very distinctive bright covers I think it's published by Penguin right and I'm pretty sure it says Zoe Foster Blake on the covers I can picture the Yep, you're right yeah that one specifically it obviously has been recovered since it came out I think it used to have legs of ladies on grass and now it's, yeah, um, just two colours. Like the... So
0: for those of you who know Zoe Foster-Blake more as the Instagram personality slash skincare mogul, um, Zoe came up as a beauty writer but also moonlighted writing lit in kind of the heyday. So Playing the Field was first published in 2010 and um, it's a fictional, in air quotes, uh portrayal of the lives of wags,
1: Wags. wives and girlfriends. She was a a wag at one point, right, before Hamish. I only found out about this recently. Mm. She
0: went out with Craig Wing, who Mm. was the hottest of the hot rugby league players of that that period. He was gorgeous.
1: My favourite book of hers is The Younger Man. Did you like that one? I didn't mind it. Mm, I think we could probably do a now and then on that book. Yeah. Um, But (laughs) I, (laughs) I love it. Anyway, I picked up Playing the Field, which I haven't
0: actually read yet. I picked it out oh, when I was at Dimmick's the other day because it just looked so cute. And, you know, I love footy and so I was really interested to see what she does with this premise. But the me cute is, like, talk about racing out of the gates. It's the very first paragraph of the book when the lead spills a drink at the bar on someone that she
1: just refers to as Adonis because he is so gorgeous. Yeah, another spill. mm And then in terms of clumsy meet cute, I mentioned um, Sit, Stay, Love by Amy Hutton, another debut uh, a couple of episodes ago, where Sarah, the protagonist who owns the animal shelter, her meet cute with Ethan, this uh, TV film star who is petrified of animals, is a German shepherd kind of bowling him over and her obviously rescuing him, which also is a nice, like, subversive kind of flip there, like the rescuing. But I guess the dog was clumsy. I mean, he, he couldn't really help that, but that's another meat cue for sure.
0: It's interesting that you pull out the thread of clumsiness, which I hadn't thought about before, but last night I watched the start again of a movie called Ibiza, Ibiza, <laughs> I never know how to pronounce that. Is that
1: a group of three women going,
0: yeah, I've seen that. So a friend of the pod, Emily, um, was messaging me and told me it's one of her comfort watches. Like she watches it all the time, which is interesting. I I think it only came out a couple of years ago. I must have watched it when I was breastfeeding because I have almost no memory (laughs) of what happens. But it follows, um, I think it's, God, what is her name? Gillian Jacobs. And she goes on a trip to Spain for work takes her two girlfriends who are you know very much there for the comic relief and she meets a very sexy DJ played by god what is his real name Richard Madden better known as Rob Stark my Game of Thrones boyfriend but the meet cute for that is like they meet when he is DJing at the club and he's you know like this god on stage and he's looking out and she just is watching him, thinking he's gorgeous. And he is waving to her and kind of, you know, beckoning her up on the stage. And you know, a, f- a little bit earlier, this guy had drawn on her face with like a, you know, those pens that you can only see under lights, drawn something on her face that she didn't think about. But basically, she had a dick on her face that glowed <laughs> in the dark. And this kind DJ was inviting her back so that he could clean it up for her. And so they have this kind of moment backstage where, you know, obviously they're close to each other's faces and they're having some funny banter and then he kind of walks away and they have sort of loose plans to meet up later and it would have been absolutely perfect, but as he's backing away, he trips over something. And so there's that, it's the moment that takes him from being kind of a god to being a human. Mm. And I think that element of vulnerability is really important to a meet cute because otherwise it's like,
1: this person is too perfect. Mm. They're out of my league. That's why the simple "let me buy you a drink" or the it's just it doesn't have that same effect of that real life, yeah, vulnerable moments. Like anyone can buy a drink. How boring! a <laughs> <laughs> pedestrian. And how about I think you recently rewatched a Cinderella story <laughs> with <laughs> Hilary Duff. <laughs> And Chad Michael Murray. I've been
0: revisiting some classic cinema, <laughs> Karina. I don't know why I've, I'm toying with a new book idea
1: and I have, this, I have this Cinderella thing in my mind. I don't know why. Well, because um, you want, you want it, the foundations there, what we spoke about a couple right. of months ago. You just want to do a retelling so the plot's sorted. You can just... <laughs> I'm looking for a cheat sheet. Breeze on in, write um, a couple of words. The foundation's there. Yeah, so uh,
0: 2004, A Cinderella Story, it's... I mean, it, it really, like, reeks of the time. Um, the me cute in that, it's tricky because the logic of this really doesn't hold up, but Hilary Duff is having kind of a pen pal relationship over the internet somehow with Chad Michael Murray. He's the cool guy at school. She is, like, a nobody and... You know, but they're having these DMs where they're, like, really getting to know each other and deciding whether they should meet. And there's a masked ball where she, like, she's wearing something over her eyes. Like, it's really obvious who she is, but
1: I guess because she's wearing a pretty dress, no one, like, puts it together. It's like the makeovers. You know, she's all that. And it's like, oh, my gosh, she took her glasses off. (laughs) It's like, oh, I couldn't recognise her with her mask. She's actually beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, and so she
0: goes. She goes to the dance, and but she has to get back to her shift at the diner because her evil stepmother is working her to the bone. Jennifer Coolidge, who is you know our queen, post White Lotus today, but and then, she was a
1: queen then. She was a queen in Legally Blonde, but her status of queen has just since White Lotus. Yeah, perfect I mean, casting for um, Cinderella story.
0: She is chewing the scenery, incredibly in this film. Like it's it's. What does that
1: expression mean? Chewing the scenery. It's just, it's like really dominating, um, hammy acting, Ah, just like. I've literally never heard that.
0: Wow, (laughs) I love that. And now I cannot define it for you.
1: (laughs) It's real, trust me. Ask Wikipedia. We ask it everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, they,
0: let's call it their meet cute when they first meet at the dance, and she, uh, runs out at the stroke of midnight to get back to the diner and drops her cell phone. And so instead of a shoe, Ooh. he's oh, I got it. that. I'm following. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> subtle, I know. It was a weird synchronicity with another film that I revisited, which I had really fond memories of from when I was young, um, although my sister has pointed out that I gave her and my mum a lot of shit for watching rom-coms back in the day. I think I was a bit of a closeted rom-com
1: lover. I think you've publicly admitted how you know you've come late to the party but we welcome you with open warm arms. Yeah, it's I've, fine. You...
0: I've, it's taken me a while to get over this the snobbiness of my youth and I'm, I'm fully atoned now. Uh, but anyway Only You, 1994 starring Marissa Tomei and Robert Downey Jr., Um, And it's all, a lot of it plays out in Rome and Positano. It's a real love letter to Italy. And yeah, I remembered it being very beautiful. There's a lot of it is about this idea of soulmates and destiny. Uh, But the cute in that, when they first meet, um, Marisa Tomei's character is sort of running away from a restaurant in Rome where she thought she was meeting her soulmate, And uh, she's had a disappointment. She's trying to find him and she's kind of crying, running through the cobblestone streets and her high heel gets caught and she falls over and Robert Downey Jr. comes up to help her out. He's also a shoe salesman, so there's a lot of shoe stuff (laughs) (laughs) comes up in that. But, yeah,
1: another Cinderella kind of reference there. I love it. Hmm. I mean, we could talk about movies till the cows come home. (laughs) That's an expression, right? Have I mentioned I'm going to New York? (laughs) But I've been revisiting, uh, yeah, a lot of nostalgic rom-coms, including Serendipity recently. I think I'm toying... Is that the John Cusack one? Yeah, and Kate Beckinsale. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, so I'm I'm toying as well with an idea of a new story for my tax write-off uh, in New York trip. And that was the first movie that kind of came to mind as, oh, like, I might re-watch that to see... Yeah, to remember how that went. But they have a meet-cute over a pair of gloves in Bloomingdale's. They both reach for the same pair of gloves. And then listeners will probably remember that for 10 years they try and find each other. Um, A number is written in a book and it's about finding the book. And, yeah, so they have that initial meet-cute and then... I don't want to give anything away, but it's a, it's a, it's a happy ending. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, and I was also on the Jonathan Shannon, the multiple Miss Meat Cutes, where we get multiple Meat Cutes, but the same Meat Cute over and over again, <laughs> It's 51st Dates with uh, Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler. I actually went to Hawaii and visited where most of that was filmed, which was so lovely. The diner and the premise of that movie is um, she's in a bad car accident and she thinks it's a bit of a groundhog day narrative where she thinks every day is the same day as the last. So he has a lot of fun, Adam Sandler's character, we're trying to woo her each day and um, make her fall in love with him at this diner. So he tries a couple of different things with the meet cute over breakfast initially. Yeah, so that's, that's a really cute one at amnesia in amnesia there. amnesia trope that's speaking
0: trope. speaking of the groundhog day thing there's a movie and I don't think either of us have seen it but it came up in my research called meet cute
1: yeah um, and there's a book as well called meet cute that's why I've got it
0: the up. movie is fairly recent I think Pete Davidson and oh that's Kayleigh
1: why sorry Cuoco. I can he's overexposed I'm scared he's coming for me next yeah
0: no I I, I didn't feel the need to seek it out but, yeah, I mean, that really speaks to a moment in time, doesn't it? Pete Davidson starring in a rom-com. <laughs> it does. Hopefully that moment has now passed. Well, I wanted
1: to talk about Delta's rom-com, but we can save that for another episode. <laughs> it doesn't really fit with the make cue. I've
0: seen a trailer for this. Delta, is she a pilot? Yeah, it's an Aussie rom-com. I can't
1: yeah. wait. I want to support it. Bit of tropical locations. Yeah. Oh, it sounds adorable. <laughs> And I think we've been saving the best for last. Um, We'll probably fight over who is going to do this (laughs) one. (laughs) The holiday. And I must say, out of all the messages we've received so far, and thank you to everyone who's loving the potty and told us, um, we've had a lot of, when are you going to talk about the holiday? Talk about the holiday. That has become my favourite Christmas movie. Um, Definitely eclipses... Love Actually, which we will get onto later in the show, mm. but controversial. What, it's not your favourite.
0: No, I adore The Holiday, but I think anything taking the place of Love Actually oh. as the as the you know top Christmas rom com is. Um,
1: oh, I, I swapped them over. It's bold. I swapped them over years ago.
0: Yeah, well, I think Love Actually hasn't aged that well. We're going to get to that. <laughs> I think The Holiday is where a lot of people became aware of the term meet cute." because and my favourite relationship in that film, you know, much as and I love Jack Black. Too. Mine too. But Kate Winslet, Winslet plays
1: Iris. Yeah, Iris, yeah. And I love that name. I've actually just named a character Hazel and I'm talking with changing to Iris Ooh. and I'm starting to think I'm just doing a holiday retelling. Not a bad thing.
0: Not a bad thing. I think everyone would uh, <laughs> yeah. auto buy that actually. Um, but Iris um, connects with an older gentleman played by the incredible Eli Wallach in what must be one of his later last roles, mm. I think. And he explains to her what a meat cute is. And I mean, God, he's just divine. And they have a
1: meet cute because he's, um, well, you know, it is still a meet cute just because it's so cute. But he, she offers, she stops and offers him a lift home. Remember, she's in LA and it's like really weird, windy. I think it's actually quite common for LA, that blustery like weather. She arrives and like the wind is whipping around. And I think he's like on his walking, on his walking frame (laughs) on the street. And he's like, it seems like. She's the first person who's ever stopped and offered to give him a lift.
0: Mm. Can you remember what his name is in the film?
1: Arthur. Arthur. Mm. Yeah. Again, I think I've stolen that for my current work in progress. It's
0: so funny. All these, like, geriatric names are now, like, the hottest names at daycare as well.
1: Is there an Arthur in Dot's class?
0: Yeah, I think so. We know know an Alfred. Um, There's a lot of Sebastians running around, actually, Mm. multiple... Sebas, But especially like Hazel, Iris is coming back. Yeah. Mm. We love the old names.
1: So the holiday is so special to me that I, again, I'm going on a trip. Can you stop (laughs) rubbing it in, please? (laughs) I was Googling to see if you could stay in the cottage. So the one that Kate Winslet swaps for Cameron Diaz. And, you know, it comes also with... One Jude Law. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and That's what you were really trying to sign course, up for. Of course, of course. Like I would want Airbnb to give me a refund if Jude Law is not just sitting on the couch or yeah, he comes
0: Where ha- is Jude? Has anyone seen him for a
1: while? I don't have eyes on him. I feel like he's just
0: lost his hair and so he's just disappeared from the public eye.
1: The women's mags might have eyes on him, but I don't read them anymore, so (laughs) I have to to check. (laughs) Righto. That's a meet cute because he is Iris's brother and he often crashes at Rose Cottage um, when he's had a big night out locally and knocks on the door drunk and Cameron Diaz opens the door and he really needs to take a piss so it's quite sexy unromantic uh but yeah I was looking up whether or not that was a real house Uh, firstly I was searching mistakenly in the Cotswolds because I was under the impression this entire time that this movie was set in the Cotswolds but it's Surrey which did you know that <laughs> no, you're well outside my area of expertise yeah. here. Yeah, uh, anyway, I found what I thought was the listing. It was fully bought. but when I did a bit of a deeper dive, I discovered it, it was a, a house pretending to be. Live, oh, it's live, one of those ones yeah. where they, they
0: just use the, the it, exteriors for the establishing shot and then. No, they,
1: no, not even. This, this cottage has just started to stand in, like live like, you know, stay in a cottage like Rose Cottage. Um, from the holiday so it's not even the one that they use so it's just some bright spark with a a nose for marketing you have to admire it Mm. i'm from one marketer to another uh but yeah the actual cottage was just a set Mm. so but i will be going to the pub um that cameron diaz and jude law i've made my friend who i'm visiting look it up and guarantee me that we will be visiting Mm. so yeah look out for maybe some instagram content coming soon Mm. (laughs) Backlog tour. Another one uh, I know we said Lucky Last, but I also really enjoyed The Big Sick. That's one of my favourite rom coms. Have Have you seen that? Claire?
0: I haven't, no. But I do. I do love um, Zoe Kazan, the actress mm. in that.
1: She's the same one in Ruby Sparks. Mm. Yeah, great. Great film. So I don't know, I feel like that movie's a bit under the radar. Every time I say, oh, that's one of my favourite rom-coms, it truly is. A lot of people haven't seen it, so I don't know if it came out in an interesting time or... But the... I actually forget the name of the guy, but uh, he's a stand-up uh, comic, and she is at his show and heckling him.
0: <laughs> I want to say Camille Nanjani?
1: Yeah, I mean, great actor. Like, he's so funny. Camille Nanjani. And so, Nanjiani. yeah. Nanjani, oh, my God. She's heckling him at the stand up routine. Um, but then there's a, a really cute bit as well where, um, you know, they spend the night together and she calls for an Uber and it's him. So he has to get out of bed and put his clothes on to get in the Uber to pick her up from the one night stand. I love that movie. It's great. I fully really recommend checking that out. And it's based on a true story, right? Yeah, how he met his wife. Mm. How cute's that? Adorable. Adorable. Did you want to talk about Fleabag?
0: Only in the sense that the, that entire first episode of the second season of Fleabag, when Fleabag meets the hot priest, I think is just an absolute masterclass in writing. Like when I'm feeling a bit flat mm. or like I don't... Oh, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because you watch a scene like that and it is just perfection. Mm. You have a whole family sitting at a table... And all of the history and the subtext of those relationships playing out on the surface and then, you know, you have this interloper at the table, the hot priest, who is trying to figure out what the hell is going on in this family. It's just genius. So it's inspiring but it's also, like, destroying because it's like, how can I ever match that? But at the same time, it's like, wow, this is what you can do with five, six people having a conversation.
1: Have you seen the televised theatre production so they often do special screenings so I've seen it twice near me and every time it's like that's an hour and a half of just jam-packed like the writing is incredible every time as well I want to be inspired that's Fleabag's my go-to
0: yeah yeah I have seen um I have seen the like live broadcast of the stage show Mm. of Fleabag which if you've watched the television series is basically
1: Oh it's that it's just the condensed version. The first oh season is adapted, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the National Theatre production.
0: Yeah, amazing. But I have to say I do prefer the second season because I love I love the romance in it. Oh priest. Oh priest. He's just it. he's so good.
1: coming up from the break of the bold and the beautiful (laughs) oh my god it's a formative influence right there
0: my nana was obsessed with the bold and the beautiful so was mine we used to love when we had to go over to
1: nana's after primary school because we'd get to watch the bold is it still running I believe it is. Ridge Forrester is he still in it? Probably. They I mean, might the be Forrester like the Forrester dynasty.
0: <laughs> it, it's probably like Weekend at Bernie's at this point, where someone is just like moving him around with some sticks and strings.
1: <laughs> stop! Don't. They?
0: Can you imagine how much Vaseline is on the lens now? <laughs> like, those people must be in their sixties or even older. God bless them. Oh. Whenever the cricket was on, and and it would delay like. And it would mean that the bold wasn't on. My nana would just like she would lose
1: it right to the network.
0: (laughs) Well, she she had a quiet fury, you know. She was a a rural woman who would never like betray a lot of emotion. But God, yeah, she was she was very mess with her bold,
1: and (laughs) you'll see another
0: side. But no, that was the thing. So because every time the cricket was on and they couldn't show the bold, it meant that we had this massive delay from what was happening in the states.
1: Uh, and then we, we had to were, try and catch up. They
0: caught it up at, at one point. I remember when I was a journalism student, I wrote, I wrote a hard-hitting piece about how we had to catch up on the bold. I think they just, like, crammed in episodes
1: around the clock. Audience, you will sit down now for 24 hours and we will conduct a marathon until we are up to speed. I mean,
0: my nana probably didn't sleep for a week. <laughs>
1: Oh, it reminds me of the double feature at the movies or like three features in a row. Where <laughs> you're Like, how is that enjoyable? Like, sit for six hours. <laughs> so off topic. But as I said, we're in a feel good, fun mood today. It's Friday. So Claire, on that note, mm. rather than give away what we're going to be discussing, can you please do... I think we've telegraphed it pretty well. Yeah, but can you please just do the line and then everyone will know? I don't know if I can do it now that
0: I'm trying not to laugh. I'll look away.
1: Oh, I look quite pretty, don't I?
0: <laughs> <God>.
1: <laughs> I don't think that sounds like anything. It does. It sounds so good. So if you couldn't tell from Claire's amazing acting skills, we're going to be talking about one Kira Knightley. I'm just waiting for my call from Hollywood, honestly. <laughs> Specifically in my second favourite Christmas movie, Love Actually, and more specifically, we normally talk about a whole text, but we're going to really zero in on one specific scene.
0: We're not breaking ground here. I mean, I think there's been plenty of conversation about Love Actually being Hmm. problematic on a few different levels. And remember,
1: we're not here to break ground. We're here with the enthusiasm (laughs) to remind (laughs) you all of the... The thing that gets us out of bed every morning, those warm and fuzzy feel-goods. And we contain
0: multitudes. Like, I mean, I can can objectively see there's a lot of problems with this movie,
1: but if it was on, I would never turn it off. Mm. I love it. Mm. And Christmas still doesn't feel complete to me until there has been one watching of Love Actually. Yeah. But every time this scene, I'm yelling at the television without fail. Yeah. Which is the scene where we all know it well. Kira Knightley's husband's best friend turns up at the door with some, I was going to say post-its, but they're... Placards? Placards. Like he's, <laughs> he's on a picket line yeah. for her love.
0: Yeah. Child bride Kira Knightley.
1: <laughs> so she was 18 while filming this. Wild. And the little boy, I, f- I forget his name, who's also like now super old and will make you feel really old when you see mm. what he looks like yep. now... And there's actually a weird fact that Shameless shared about him the other day. He's married to someone um, or dating someone.
0: Yeah, um, Tallulah something. Yeah. Who used to be married to Elon Musk. Yes. Yeah. What a fact. And she also is in the Joe Wright film of Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley. She plays Mary, I
1: want to say. Oh, wow. Yeah. How's that flow diagram? So he was 13 and she was... 18. Wow. To think that that was...
0: There's five years between them and yeah. he's like a tiny child. And she's playing... And she's a child bride. A
1: child bride. So when he, the best friend turns up, well, I'm not even going to bother naming him. I think his name's Mark, but that's you know irrelevant. And he confesses his love for his best friend's wife while his best friend is at home. So he's also... Shh.
0: <laughs> Tell him it's carol singers. <laughs>
1: Tell him it's carol singers. This is
0: after Mark, or whatever his name is, filmed the wedding mm. and only filmed it. Which is where your Kira. famous line has yeah. come from. And so she'd been badgering him for the, for the footage and he was like, I can't show her. And then, yeah, she sees it. Slowly the gears turn and she realises he's got a thing for her.
1: So without question, this scene is creepy <laughs> and cringy. Yeah. And as we were saying before, unrealistic and the way that she after he professes his love, runs after him and gives him a kiss. Absolutely not, girl.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think many people would have that reaction to mm. this thing. I mean I think the thing that sits weirdly with me as well is it's the sense of entitlement from him that he thinks I don't know. I mean, I can understand, I guess, wanting to shoot you shot, but it's not that he wants to be
1: with her. He just kind of wants her to know, I
0: which is
1: th- cruel. A lot of our now and thens have been focused on this entitlement and persistence, our, our notebook one, very yeah. similar, right? Just I, my overall feeling is the hide of you, mm. male, <laughs> the hide of you. Well, it's also the like
0: after she runs up and gives him like the consolation kiss which makes no sense. He kind of goes... This is what you can't have. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, enough now. Mm. Like,
1: okay, I'm done. Mm.
0: Would never happen.
1: Could he not have reached that point before? He came out
0: on the picket line (laughs) for love? Right. And I think it's... I don't know. I read a lot of online advice columns and... One of the things that really sticks with me is this idea that closure isn't something someone else can give to you. You have to give yourself closure. You can't expect someone else to give you closure for your feelings. It's some good therapy. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. But I guess it's just this idea that, like, if he had, if he went all of this time having these feelings for her and then she gave him that positive reinforcement, there's no way he would be like, okay, that's enough. He would be, like, stalking her so much more after that because he's got the positive reinforcement
1: again imagine this in the age of like proper social media mm. he could have just made a tiktok actually about this <laughs> it's a viral and as always i'd love to kind of picture where would they be now like mm. how's that marriage going how's the best friend's relationship like it at some point these things always get found out and that would have just blown up
0: i think she would have told the husband straight away and they would have laughed themselves sick over it
1: do you think yeah
0: they were solid Mm. despite the age gap
1: (laughs) and then why am i suddenly feeling sorry for mark (laughs) he did so much for them Mm. he even organized that symphony (gasps) love love (laughs) love he organized that as well didn't he no copyright
0: infringement of the beatles please Karina. we can't (laughs) afford that
1: he was the videographer now I'm kind of feeling sorry for Mark.
0: <laughs> he put in a lot of emotional labour on the wedding.
1: <laughs> and also, you know, these little cardboard things, it, there's not, he didn't even use a coloured marker. Like, it's quite simple. There's no graphic design. I'm pretty sure
0: he did a bit of collage on some of them.
1: <laughs> didn't he have some pictures? Did he? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember
0: that at all. Yeah, no, it was something like, my heart will love you until I, you look like this. And then it's a photo of one of those, like, bog women. <laughs>
1: Oh my god, that's another level of offense. Mm.
0: Shelf love? You sure you don't want to do
1: it with your special voiceover voice? Shelf love. I'm getting. I'm packing ready for my trip. Karina, what are you reading? Do you want the honest answer, Claire? Always. Okay, well, what I have been reading is my book over and over and over again. Oh, so, Are you a
0: narcissist?
1: <laughs> I love my book that much. <laughs> so actually, I love the audiobook of Duck. I don't know if I've spoken about this before, but I didn't know. How
0: can you listen to your own book? I feel like I'm going to crawl out of my skin.
1: This is why there's maybe something wrong with me, because <laughs> I can listen to it objectively when the fabulous narrator, Rose Flanagan, is voicing it so it becomes a story that's not one that I created. So I can actually listen to it um, as a reader, which was such a surprise when I did get the audiobook because you can never read the book you've written as a reader. Maybe you can decades later. Uh, it's not something yet yeah, I thought that I would ever be able to do, but with the audiobook, I actually can. So yes, maybe I, I have been reading my upcoming release, Never Ever Forever, because I love it so much. <laughs> uh, but I'm also at the stage in the writing process where you have to proof. And so there's experts in-house at the publishing house, Pam McMillan, who do that job. But it's also the author's responsibility to make sure that they're happy with everything and text. And when I first went through this process with my first book, I thought, you know, you read it once. But now I know, uh, on to second book, that it comes back again and again <laughs> and again,
0: which... To the point where you just never,
1: ever yes, want to see it again. Yes, so i Never, forever. On my third read of that, so that's taken... I find it difficult to... I mean, I want to be pulled away by other books, uh, but it's my book um, that I'll be reading and hopefully no typos will slip through. <laughs> But what is on my shelf or my bedside table to reward myself, because I'm all for a reward system, is a book that is coming out in Australia in January with Simon and Schuster by Amy Matthews or Dr. Amy Matthews, who's one third of the podcast that we've mentioned a few times, Love on Campus. Um, And the book is called Someone Else's Bucket List. Uh, I've flicked through a couple of pages and read the blurb, and it definitely uh, sounds like it's going to be a tearjerker in the best way, Um, like, PS, I love you, or even Emma Gray's *The Last Love Note*. They're the vibes that I'm getting so mm-hmm. far. Um, is it
0: rom com? Does it have that comedy
1: element? Yeah, so I think I mean I'm not far. I've literally just flicked through it, so I'll report back. But I think it's I think it's marketed as a rom com, and it's interestingly already out in the states. I think so. This is Australian release, um, so it's not available here currently. Um, but lucky US readers already have that available to them. So that is definitely the treat that I have in store after I read my book another million times. (laughs) (laughs) What are you reading, Claire? Um, I have just
0: finally started Anita Heiss's Not Meeting Mr. Wright*. I saw her speak at the Romance Writers of Australia conference. I mean, I've followed Anita for a long time. She's an absolute icon, Burajiri woman and... She's an AM, like, she's a big deal.
1: And writes so, like, varied. Like, uh, she writes in all genres. She's
0: done kids' books. Mm. The books that I'm reading are chick lit, Mm. but she also does historical fiction. I think that's what she's working on at the moment, literary historical fiction. I think she's kind of alternating at the moment between kind of a commercial-type novel and these heavily researched Mm. historical literary novels where she's really going quite deep on... um, First Nations history she's tackling some intense stuff but I think she's always been very smart about using fiction to build empathy and understanding um, with Australians who want to who might not necessarily have engaged with history or with First Nations issues, and she's That's very so cleverly smart
1: to make that accessible.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, and she very deliberately, so me, not meeting Mr. Wright is one of four novels that Simon and Schuster have just re-released with gorgeous matching covers. Um, but Anita first published them. The first one came out in. 2007, there's also Avoiding Mr. Wright from 2008, um, Manhattan Dreaming. Manhattan Dreaming, I'm packing that in my suitcase, I already told you that. And Paris Dreaming from 2011, and Anita very intentionally seeing the trends in publishing, you know, looking at the likes of Candace Bushnell and Marion Keys, decided that... Chicklet was the perfect vehicle or platform to show, like centre a First Nations woman who was absolutely kicking ass in her job, doing really interesting things with a solid group of friends, living in urban settings, and still, you know, struggling with dating. Like, what could make First Nations people and culture more accessible than romantic comedy or Chicklet? And so she came up with this really cute... Like, she really lent into it and, like, really worked hard to publicise herself. And the way she describes it is that she kicked down the door for First Nations writers in rom-com and lit. And I think she's been waiting a pretty long time for other people to follow her through that door. There is some interesting stuff coming up now, um, and I'm really excited to read books like... um, I think Teela Reid has a rom-com called Legally Black coming out early next year, which looks really good. And I know that Melanie
1: Sayward is working on a rom-com. Really excited I to see I wondered that because so she has her debut out at the moment. Burn. Burn, yeah. And I know that she reads heavily in the rom-com genre. She's so just I, done a PhD. Yeah, so I was curious yeah. about that. That makes sense. Oh, I'm excited for that.
0: Yeah, I don't know what the release date on that, but I know that she's working on something there, which I'm really excited to see. I'm very excited to read Burn as well. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so when Anita was promoting these, she came up, she called herself Cory Bradshaw. Oh, so cute. <laughs> That's divine. And I think, you know, to hear her speak about it, these books, you know, are from a while ago and I guess they could have just put beautiful new covers on and re-released them, but she really wanted to update them for the time. And so, yeah, I'm reading...
1: Not meeting Mr. Wright and are they uh, are they connected? Or can I you think read them? they are. Oh, okay. So I can't just read Manhattan Dream.
0: Well, I don't. Sorry, mm. I'm sorry to be ill-informed on this. I'm pretty sure that not meeting Wright and also avoiding Mr. Wright have the same central um, character, Alice. Um, but I'm not sure about the other ones. Mm. I think there's probably links. But yeah, so she's put in references to things like the voice to Parliament, to Black Lives Matter. Even though they're really light and very voicey, you know, it's that first person this book opens at a kind of school reunion and this girl is very single. She's like, I love being single. I love my single life, you know, convincing herself and trying to convince. She's surrounded by all these women who are married with kids and she's just not feeling it. Um, Did she invent the (laughs) (laughs) post-it? haven't come across any post-its yet. But, yeah, so, you know, Anita had to bring in things like social media, technology of mobile phones, and, yeah, of course, things that have changed politically in 12,
1: 13... 15 years. It's so funny because you know when 2000 is still 10 years ago, it's hard to update in your head, right? I know. (laughs) It's really
0: hard. (laughs) Anyway, I'm really enjoying the voice in this. I'm a big fan of Anita and how she operates. She's a great follow on Instagram. And
1: on TikTok. She comes up quite a lot. Yes. Yes.
0: I'm really enjoying at the moment she's on deadline for her next novel and so she's up at like 5 every morning and every morning she does like a dispatch to Instagram and maybe on TikTok as well, just sort of talking about where she's up to 37 is, days is to this deadline why you've
1: been inspired to start getting up and riding at five Claire maybe <laughs> you told me your new regime That's stunning. it like happened similar. twice <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway Anita's an icon Anita's a god and um you know I think you could do a lot worse than mimicking her mm. yeah love it There we go. You just
1: need to introduce all the segments. You've got that voice. So I have a great one today, Claire, because I know you haven't read this author yet. And so I'm excited for you that Mm. you still have her to discover. And the author that I wanted to pair with Queen M. Hen, which we seem to do a lot of pairings with Emily Henry, but she is the current reigning rom-com queen. So... I think it's a reference point for a lot of people that are new new to the genre. It is. So I wanted to recommend books by an author called Lizzie Dent. So Lizzie Dent is Aussie born and I think she lives in Europe now. I think she lives in the UK uh, and she has published two rom-coms with one on the way. I think it might even release a week or so after this episode drops uh, she's actually cousins with Rachel Johns, who is Australian Women's Fiction Royalty. royalty. Yeah, we will Queen be t- Rachel. Uh, Queen Rachel. We'll be talking about Rachel's upcoming rom-com, The Other Bridget, which releases in January in an upcoming episode. But obviously the writing gene and talent runs in the family. I first picked up Lizzie's debut in 2021. It was called The Summer Job. And it's such a fun story. I mean, it's all in the title, really. It's based in Scotland. And Claire, you know what her profession is. Can you please say it? <laughs> Sommelier. Yes. So she's the protagonist is not one of those, but her best friend and flatmate is.
0: You're really just never going to
1: say it, are you? I just, it's just, listeners don't need to hear me stammering <laughs> over that. Her best friend is Claire. Sommelier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and or is it sommelier? Uh, you're, you're the one that has to have things accurate here. <laughs> um, so the protagonist in the summer job somehow intercepts the job opportunity that is intended for her professional trained wine expert friend um, and takes herself off to this new job, which is at a boutique hotel in Scotland. And thinks how hard can it be to get up to speed with the viscousness of wine and all of the things you need to know (laughs) about wine. Um, The legs. The legs. The legs. I actually have learned about the legs in Tuscany. I learned about the legs. Mm. So it's got that summer kind of escape feeling, but the romance, um, which obviously happens at the boutique hotel, um, is so fun. Uh, and then she followed that up with a book called The Setup in 2022. So last year. And the premise of that is around a fortune teller and, you know, the protagonist who follows the stars um, and takes fortune telling very literally. That one I enjoyed just as much as The Summer Job, if not more. Uh, so I'm so excited for Lizzie's upcoming release, which is called The Sweetest Revenge. And if you look up the covers, there's different covers. I think they're released in, obviously here in AU, but UK, potentially US. They're bright, fun covers and they just promise what's exactly inside. Auto buy for me, Lizzie Dent is. So I'm excited for more people to discover Lizzie. So if you like M Hen, check out Lizzie Dent's work.
0: I will. Mm, Good. (laughs) (laughs) That brings us to the end, Karina. It's been a bit of a loose session today, but I think it's been fun. Maybe
1: we need the trope for structure because meet cute for me, I heard free for all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll see what people think of it. Um, we will link to all the books and movies that we mentioned in our show notes, or you can sign up to our substack to get the lowdown straight to your inbox when we drop a new episode. You can follow us on Instagram at pod. Uh, And please feel free to slide into the DMs and let us know anything you're interested in hearing about. Hopefully
1: we did the holiday proud. (laughs) (laughs) We will see you in your ears in two weeks' time. All right. Bye. Bye.